1: Check out the critically acclaimed release Curse of the Red River, the brand new full-length album by Baron Earth. This album combines the best elements of metal, prog, and more obscure psychedelic rock. Visit Peaceville. At P-E-A-C-E-V-I-L-L-E.com to buy the CD and to check out other great metal acts. Use the links in today's show notes of the Talking Metal Podcast to open your iTunes and download Baron Earth.
3: This is Anthony Esposito from the infamous Ace Freely band, and you are listening to Talking Metal, your premier metal station.
0: Hi, this is Opliner from Baron Earth. You are listening to Talking Metal.
3: Stay cursed. Hi, this is Ace Freely, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Keep rocking. All right. What's up? This is Bam Margera, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Bill. And this is Brandon. and we are in... Mastodon, you're
2: listening to Talking Metal, dude. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking
1: Metal. John here. Turn the microphone over to Mark Striegel. Hey, just got back from a vacation. Was out in Indiana for a few uh, days, almost a week actually. It's good to be back in the New York area and New Jersey area. We are. Uh, taking a little lunch break here today from our jobs and talking to you from Midtown Manhattan 30 Rock today. We're going to get into the show in just a second here we have ollie aka Opu from the band Baron Earth. He is the founder bassist of the band and uh, boy, I tell you they sound great. They are doing a sponsorship with us here on the podcast and I'm honored because this is a great band.
2: No doubt about it. Uh- Really enjoyed hearing the material, and definitely proud to have Barren Earth as a sponsor for the Talking Metal
1: podcast. Make sure you pick up their new record. It's Curse of the Red River. It is out now in the U.S., and it's been out for a while in Europe. This band, again, is Barren Earth. They are from Finland. Why don't we get into a little music and hear an interview with Ollie? Sounds great. And then uh, later on the show, we've got
2: Anthony Esposito from Aces Band.
1: Hey, this is Mark from Talking Metal. And on the line, we have Opu from Barren Earth. How are you, man? Hi, Mark. Um, I'm fine. Uh, Just like
0: uh, our our album was released in Finland uh, at Wednesday. And uh, it's like pretty exciting to wait and see
1: how it will be received. So we are, of course, talking about the band Barren Earth and their new release, first full-length release, Curse of the Red River. Now, you guys had an EP that came out last, I believe, fall here in the States, but Mm -hmm. this album is all new material, correct?
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, We did uh, the EP and uh, and the album uh, in the same sessions, but um, uh, of course there are two additional demo tracks in uh, in the EP, but... um Anyhow, we had like uh eleven songs from which we uh took two songs to the e p and uh put rest to the album
1: cool now can you for for the the talking metal listeners who might not know about barren earth, can you give us just a brief history of how you guys actually got together and who's actually in the band
0: yeah um well, we all all know each other uh, from uh, the previous connections, and um, actually, I played uh, with uh, with Marco uh, in a band called Chaos Breed. Um, right. Uh, it was kind of old school death metal uh, in a way, of anti and stuff like that. Uh, and then uh, Casper is also my old um, old friend from uh, from Amorphis, and uh, we we played played together in in the early nineties.
1: And Casper is the keyboardist, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, And we also had a kind of progressive rock band with uh, Marco and Casper a few years ago. Uh, But that died up for some reason. Um, And I've known Sami, the guitar player, lead guitar player, for a long time, um, uh, from the early 90s. And um, I actually saw him playing live somewhere uh, in the 80s already. So uh, I've, I've, know, I've known him like for, like quite since. Um, and I played also with Janne in, um, we had a death tribute kick when uh, Chuck Schuldiner died. Oh, okay. And, Chuck Schuldiner, yeah, sure. And um, it, that was kind of, uh, that project kind of leaded to Chaos Breed. And uh, Janne played, played in, uh, in that tribute band called Evil Chucks. And, um, well, this is how we all know each other. And, uh, I, tr- I started to, uh, put the band together, uh, in 2007. And, uh, first I called Marco and Janne and uh, there it started to snowball, um, uh, until, uh, we demoed, uh, four songs in the summer of 2008 and, um, uh after that we started to figure out who who should sing in the band and um we all agreed that it should be we we should have crawling vocals and also clean vocals Uh, so um and marco recalled mikko because moose or all where marco plays um in which marketplace right also um they toured with Swallow the Sun, so, um, and Miko is the lead singer in, in that band, so uh, they knew each other and uh, we all thought that he would be the perfect ma- guy for, uh, for Baron Earth. so uh, we called him and he agreed, and uh, there it all started somehow. Um, it was about a week after he agreed to join the band when, when we went to the studio to nail the uh, lead vocals, Um, and then we just started to spread the demo to to various um, labels and that peaceful was was the best best one of them which, which answered our call.
1: Cool. Well, the I we had the uh, opportunity to hear some of the album, and I think it sounds just great. It has so many. I hear so many different influences uh, from from death metal to even like psychedelic, you know, music from like the nineteen sixties and seventies. And I wanted to ask you about some of that. Are you a big fan of nineteen sixties and seventies rock bands?
0: Yeah, um, I have to admit that uh, I very rarely listen to metal music these days. Really? Well, so, so of um, uh, of course I um, I speak to the old classics like Morbid Angel and Bolt Rover and um, Entombed stuff sure. like that. Uh, but not too many modern metal bands. Opeth is great, of course, and uh, Well Paradise Lost. But yeah. I I prefer the old ones anyway. So. Yeah. But um yeah, uh we we are we all listen to uh, 70s progressive rock music.
1: What are some of your favorites from the 70s? Uh, well I'd say King Crimson, Floyd, um
0: Emerson like Palmer. Sure. And there were also great uh, progressive rock bands in Finland uh during during 70s like Folkish progressive rock. Oh, cool! Uh, and th- this is uh, maybe this is maybe the source which makes uh, Finnish uh, metal music quite exotic. Because, uh, um, uh, for example, we listen to those uh, folky progressive bands from 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 the seventies Finnish bands.
1: What are some of those bands that you're you're talking about? The Finnish bands?
0: Okay, um, there is a band called Peer um, uh and uh, actually it's the guy who um plays flute and saxophone in uh, some amorphous albums he he's the uh main man from from that band
1: oh okay
0: uh, and also there is the band called Kingston Wall um that, that they are like um they uh they were active um in early 90s actually but they are they are like a great influence personally for me um and then there was Week One, uh, which was like a kind of poppy prog um, band. Uh, they had few great albums, also some bad albums. But um, but um, yeah, those are those are the progressive rock bands. And uh, we also did jazz, um, Miles Davis, John oh, Coltrane, cool. um, and also when it comes to sixties, Beatles, Jimi Hendrix stuff like that all my brothers
1: right very cool very cool a lot of great bands there uh i was impressed by the the cover artwork for the new record curse of the red river by baron earth can you tell me about that who actually uh created the cover artwork
0: um travis smith is the um artist who who did the album cover um well um uh first of all uh it f- felt a little bit too obvious um choice for us because he he has done so many like, metal albums recently like um, Opets, um maybe five latest
1: album oh, okay.
0: and stuff like that so um um but peace will wanted to use him and of course um we were excited to have him because we didn't expect to uh, work with uh, such an artist so uh uh well Marco did some really rough uh sketch uh like sketch drawing for the uh booklet and sent it to um, travis
1: and he uh kind of expanded upon it
0: yeah yeah, yeah. that's right uh so uh the, when he sent the first suggestions us like we were already <laughs> sold like a, uh it's very old school still there is like um painting sort of feeling like a, uh, well it is it is like a, it for some some like um it, it could be like a scene as a little bit naive like metal cover as well but uh, uh it, like in our music there is this brutal and ugly side and then beautiful side as well So right. this this cover represents our music in that way
1: cool yeah I think it looks great I wanted to ask you are there plans to tour
0: yeah uh, well um, we've been planning to tour in Europe uh, in next October um, uh, and in Finland next May but um Everything else is open, and it, it de- really depends uh, quite much uh, of the uh, response overall response for the album. If it goes well, of course we will uh, start to uh, reschedule uh, our uh, uh, plans. But, um, it's really hard to say at this point what will happen but uh, our our aim is to tour. Of course, and sooner or later we will tour in America too, but uh, it's very hard to say when.
1: Cool. Well, I would just want to remind the Talking Metal listeners that the album is, by the time you hear this interview on the podcast, will be out on iTunes and in stores. It is Barren Earth, and the album is called Curse of the Red River. It is out on Peaceville Records You should definitely check it out, and we are thrilled to be featuring some of the music here on the podcast today. If we could get a Talking Metal ID from you, saying your name, your band, and you are listening to Talking Metal.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, Hi, this is Oplina from Baron Earth. You are listening to Talking Metal, Stay
1: Cursed. Great. Thanks so much for checking in with us. We wish you the best of luck. And the album does sound great. I sincerely mean that. Okay, that's very
0: nice to hear. <laughs> Thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you. Bye bye. I-
1: Thanks to Opu from Baron Earth, a.k.a. Ollie from Baron Earth, the bassist founder of the great Finland Progressive Death Metal Band. And uh, we are honored to have them as a sponsor here on the Talking Metal podcast. Show your support by using the links in today's show notes. That'll open up your iTunes, take you right to Curse of the Red River, and you can download that directly to your iTunes. Or go to the Peaceville website where you can uh, purchase the actual CD. We have Anthony Esposito coming up in just a minute. This is a interview that John conducted along with Victor from Mars Attacks. Uh, they interviewed Anthony a few weeks ago, and it was right after John got off a tour with Anthony and Ace. You guys uh, did a little East Coast tour here, right?
2: Yeah, it was amazing, guys. Uh, let me tell you, you know how much I love Ace freely uh, like all of you do as well, or many of you do. And uh, it was an honor for me to go on tour with the guys. And uh, let me tell you, Anthony is great. You'll hear this in the interview, but not only does he handle the bass duties, but he handles tour managing as well, and he does a great job at it. And uh, it was just fun to hang out with all those guys. I've been uh, talking to Todd Youth a lot uh, on the phone. He's back in L.A. And, uh, you know, all of the guys, Anthony, Todd, Scotty Coogan, and the whole crew,
1: everybody is is really cool and uh, just had a great time hanging out. Cool. Well, let's get into that interview in a minute. First, we have a few letters we're going to read. I wanted to mention I'm very excited that Tony Iomi is working again with uh, Ian Gillen. Did you hear that? They're going to be writing some new material together.
2: That is great, man. I really uh, was psyched when we had Ian Gillen on Talking Metal, and he was you know, always one of my favorite singers since I was a little kid. Probably one of the first songs I ever played. Most guitar players you know, were into the song Smoke on the Water, and, and I just loved that tune, and... Uh, in that interview, if you go way back, guys, uh, try to find that on, on the TalkingMetal.com site. Uh, you'll hear there, there was some really touching stuff that uh, Ian Gilling said about Armenia. And I, as some of you may know, I have a connection to uh, some Armenian people. So uh, I always remember that interview
1: specifically. And the new music, of course, that he's working on with Tony Iommi will also uh, benefit a charity, I guess, that is involved with Armenia. So uh, that's very cool stuff. We're also happy to hear that Gilby Clark has announced uh, his first show since he was in that horrible motorcycle accident, uh, hit-and-run accident, actually, last January. So he is back on his feet, I guess, and uh, will be playing in Renando Beach, California, at Brixton on May 28th.
2: You know what, uh, believe it or not, that is the same town that we interviewed Don Dawkin in. And I have another uh, neat thing. Uh, remember when, and you guys will hear this, we asked Anthony Esposito in the interview, you know, what does he think about Dokken reuniting with George Lynch? And he basically really didn't have any comment, but he has since gotten back to me and he does have a comment. Basically, it's they're doing it because they have to, not because they want to. What does that mean? I think that means that, you know, they really don't want to, you know, it's not like their favorite thing to get together, but I guess, you know, the music business is kind of tough right now and basically I got the vibe that that means that, you know, they're just looking to, to make a living and this is probably the only idea they got left.
1: So Doc and the band can probably make more money booking a gig with George Lynch on guitar than they could with John Levin or somebody else for that matter. Right, right. That's that's what I take from that short comment. Uh, and so take
2: it for, what's that expression? Whatever you guys want to read into it, but that was that was the comment. I don't want to put words in Anthony's mouth, but it, basically Anthony just said they're doing it because they have to, not
1: because they want to, in his opinion. Cool. Uh, I'm reading right now a great book called Heart-Shaped Box by Joe Hill. It's about this kind of gothic, maybe heavy metalish type rocker. And... Uh, some haunting that uh, he has uh, going on in his life and it's written by Joe Hill who is actually uh, aka uh joseph hillendale king or something he's stephen king's son and it is a great book and definitely has a rock and roll vibe a lot of talk about some of our favorite rockers like uh trent reznor and ozzy osbourne and stuff like that in the book so highly recommend that to anybody who likes a good scare speaking of ozzy i just completed his book i am ozzy which is also another great read uh highly recommend it to you guys out there you want to read a letter john
2: yeah it sounds good this letter is from rob It says, hey, Mark and John, I just wanted to tell you guys how much I love your Talking Metal podcast and just everything you two are doing for metal and sci-fi in general. I first discovered your podcast about two months ago, and at first I just downloaded the more recent episodes, then went right back to episode 100, started from the beginning. I find your deep love for metal music to be refreshing and educational at the same time as well as pretty damn funny. One of my new favorite sayings is, that's out of control. (laughs) And for the guy that said he thinks you guys are cheesy, well, I think you guys are just the right amount of cheese. And I mean that in a good way. Like, no one or nothing in metal has ever been cheesy. Yeah, I mean, just look at some of the deaf and black metal bands out there. Talk about cheese. But then again, in, in a good way. Anyway, a bit about me. Uh, he just turned 44 yesterday, March 12th. And he's a total metalhead, music, sci-fi, horror freak for life. And he's from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And he goes to as many shows as as he can. Uh, So, Rob, thanks very, very much. Um, I love your email address uh, with the Bathory reference. uh, And uh, we really appreciate your taking the time out to listen
1: to Talking Metal. Cool. And speaking of cheese, here is some Village People news uh, from Alex. Hey, love the show, but I wanted to fill you in on the correct info on the Village People. The original cop was, as mentioned married to the wife on the cosby show uh that was victor willis victor was replaced by ray simpson in 1979 who as mentioned sang backup vocals on kiss's song tomorrow and tonight also the village people do perform with three original members philippe rose who is the uh, native american uh I I still call them Indians myself, (laughs) but I guess that's not PC. Uh, Alexander Brilli, who is the soldier, and David Hodo, who is the construction man. and uh, Oh, uh, I guess he was out of the band from 1982 to 1987, but apparently is now back. Uh, The band is rounded out with Jeff Olson, the cowboy, who has been a member since 1980. Ray Simpson, who is... The cop, and I guess has been the cop since '79, and Eric, who is the biker since 1995. Anyways, uh, he has set us straight on our village people talk from I guess a few episodes ago. Uh, and Alex says, uh, anyways, uh, figured I'd update you and correct you. Ha ha ha! Love the show. Take care, Alex Bagboy Walker. Uh, thanks, Alex. We appreciate. You setting the record straight on that.
2: Yeah, I always remember that uh, name David Hodo. I guess back in the back in the old days in the seventies and you know, village people were on Casablanca and Kiss were on Casablanca. So I, I would see stories about them in in, you know, some of the same magazines and I think they actually had village people cards too. Back in the day Like you know Kiss had Kiss cards They had Village People cards And I think my cousin Had a pack I don't think we understood That they were gay And all this right, no. except, except some of those dudes Weren't gay Apparently now
1: Yeah Well anyways uh, Again guys Support Barren Earth We uh, had their interview Earlier in the show Again go to iTunes And download those tracks John And Victor uh, Interviewed Anthony Esposito From Lynch Mob And Ace Fraley And I wanted to mention that Victor has a show called Mars Attacks, which is on markstriegelradio.com. And that is on every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So check it out. It's a great show.
2: Let's talk about
1: how. Why don't we tell the listeners about how this interview
2: came together with me and Victor doing an interview? And basically, what happened was Victor was in town and. you guys decided to do a live Mars Attacks show. So, uh, Victor, and you know it was nice enough to invite me down uh, to, to be part of it, and you were there. So, I did an interview with Victor and Anthony, and then you did
1: an interview with Victor as well. Yeah, we interviewed Joey Z, which we will bring to you in a future podcast. Um, yeah, and, and what we'll do, and Mars Attacks is a great show, guys. You definitely got to tune in, and we will actually... On today's show, after the Anthony interview uh, ends, we'll just let the rest of Mars Attacks play out in its full, in its entirety, here on uh, TalkingMetal.com. So check it out and enjoy Talking Metal and enjoy Mars Attacks. Uh, I believe Mars Attacks is also now available in podcast form.
2: Definitely, definitely.
1: Here's a little what you, a little lynch mob when we will get into the interview.
2: Yeah, we're going to hear a little bit uh, from Anthony back when he was uh, with George Lange and Lynch Mob. We're going to go into the interview and then come out with some more music and then uh, just some chatting from uh, Talking Metal Guys and Victor from Mars Attacks.
1: Cool. And if you don't own Anomaly Ace's album yet, definitely go pick it up.
2: Yeah, definitely. Special thanks to Anthony Esposito for appearing on the show. Thanks, Ben.
4: phone after much technical difficulty here we have uh, anthony esposito former oh,
3: finally got through
4: finally got through sorry about that anthony <laughs>
3: okay
4: so uh, uh most of you people know anthony probably from lynch mob and there are some of you out there that obviously know him from aces band as well so um aside from that also wanted to mention that we do have john astronomy in the studio who uh does uh, work somewhat closely with Anthony as well. Hey, Anthony, it's John. <laughs>
3: hey, John, how are you feeling after that last uh, run? <laughs>
4: yeah, it was great, it was great. Uh,
2: Ace, just uh, I, I texted you before, I sent him away today in the uh, the limo to the airport, and uh, after a few days of post uh, tour production uh, here in the city, and uh, it was a great run, and Anthony, I wanted to tell you how great of a job that, that I know that you did Uh, you know, handling the band and tour managing this tour and I think it's amazing that you really like not only to to handle the bass duties but you really like to do the tour managing.
3: Yeah, I kind of get, I'm kind of like bored out of my mind if I don't have something to do and, you know, it's like uh, you end up sitting around in hotel rooms all the time just waiting, waiting for sound check and then waiting for the gig to start and then Doing it again, you know, driving to the next town and waiting again. I, I, I kind of like the added responsibility of uh, watching the numbers, counting the money, and making sure everybody gets everything done right. And uh, I, I like the responsibility. It makes the day go by faster.
2: And it works like clockwork, Anthony. You guys are amazing the way that, you know, you've got the gear travels, you well,
3: know. As long as, he, as long as he's got to the plane on time. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: And that's that's my duty. And uh, yeah, we, we were we were good. Spot. What's that?
3: You have the hardest part. Taking yeah. <laughs> care of Ace is the hardest thing. To do. <laughs>
2: but yeah, we we did great. We had the the three gigs were amazing and uh, I'm just looking forward for more to come.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm really loving the new lineup. I'm really loving what Todd Youth brings to the band. Um and uh, we, we we really enjoy playing on stage together and and with Scott and it, it's a it's a really great it, it's a fun bunch to be around and it, it's it's just really a great situation to be in and everybody who's involved just wants to like play more you know we just want to keep playing and you know and just, just keep working it because we really enjoy it no doubt about it.
4: Cool. And uh, as far as the tour managing is concerned, is this the first time that you've done that with a band?
3: Yeah, <laughs> and, I picked, and I picked Ace to do it. Yeah, I was just <laughs>
4: just going to say that one of the most legendary names. Ah, eh, let's just take a you know first stab at you know going with something big. Why you know look for something little? So,
3: but you know, I ran I ran a recording studio in New York for fifteen years, and um, and also my other my other job that I do is I design sets for. Um, for TV shows and commercials and and touring bands and videos and stuff. So I mean I I'm running two companies. Huh. And it's ki- it's kind of like it, it's the same thing. Numbers are numbers and okay. business is business and it what comes in and what goes out and you just got to keep track of everything and so I mean I guess that primed me for that, you know.
4: Gotcha. Okay. And how did you initially get involved with these? Um
3: I was introduced to him by a hell's angel. <laughs>
4: no kidding. Wow.
3: <laughs> yeah. It, it was, uh, uh, the gentleman has passed on since, since the introduction to ACE, but, um, he just said, basically, you know, you're, you're somebody who needs to meet ACE and ACE needs to meet you. And he thought that the two of us would work, work well together. And, and that I would, um, help ACE be ACE, you know, and, uh, and I'm glad it's a great relationship. I, I, he's, Ace is one of my best friends, and and uh, I really enjoy playing with him. And he's a musical genius, mm-hmm. and uh, he <clears throat> doesn't get one tenth of the credit that he deserves as a musician <laughs> or a guitar player or just a, an artist. You know, he's he's so gifted, and I I feel lucky to be around him. You know.
4: I'm with you there 100%. I think that's uh, one of my most uh, common fought battles is, you know, going out there and saying, you know, Ace is maybe given a tenth of, you know, the credit that he deserves with so many things, not only what he did with Kiss, but as a solo artist, different things that he's done to push the envelope over the years and how many people he's actually influenced. You know, that's what's oh, yeah. a- what's amazing I was talking to uh, John and Mark before. We were saying how, you know, uh, the artists themselves don't start a lot of this, you know, crap that's stirred up. It's a lot of, you know, people on the Internet or whatever. But a lot of artists actually dig Ace, you know, and are very influenced by him. And a lot of big names, you know, we're not talking about, you know, <laughs> yeah. everyday cover bands. So. As big as they get, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um... How much were you involved in actually helping Ace out with Anomaly? I know that you wrote some of the songs and you actually. No, act-
3: I, didn't, I didn't write any of them. You
4: songs. didn't? Okay, you played on in, some in of the, the songs. In the
3: beginning, he wanted me to co write okay. with him. And, and I told him flat out, I'm like, if I co write with you, that's just going to get in the way of what the fans want. Okay. I don't think the fans want what's in your heart and what's in your head right now because you haven't done a solo record in so long. Uh, and uh, I was just like, if I intersperse anything that are my ideas it's just going to get in the way of what the fans want to hear they, they want to hear what, what's going on in your world right now and i said I, i'll be happy to be your brain okay i'll i'll remember okay yeah the last time we did pain in the neck the we did three verses here and then we went to an a chord or you know what it is and i, I was sort of like the um The documentarian of the whole thing, but he had a bunch of uh, like little digital recorders that he had you know, noodled around with song ideas while he was out on the last Kiss tour, and and there was some old stuff floating around that he had done. And uh, we sort of gotten it was we got into a room, it was me, him, and uh, Anton Fig, okay, and we just basically sort of flushed the songs out and played them. And it's a lot easy it it's a lot easier when you're in a room playing the songs live right. to change parts on the spot and go, oh okay, let's try let's try this section from this other song and 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 here and you know what I mean it's just so easy right. just to do it automatically so it was basically me it was basically Ace Anton and myself, and um that was when i, I still had my recording studio and uh, so we basically got together and worked on the tunes and then started rolling tape, and at that time, James Messina was engineering, who had engineered all the Jack Douglas records that he did, all the early Aerosmith and the John Lennon records and, and all that stuff. So we had a really great engineer, okay. and um, and he was just capturing it all on, on tape. And then, then I lost my lease to the studio, and we brought <laughs> my gear up to Ace's house, and uh, that's when we transferred a lot of this stuff into Pro Tools. And uh, Ace started doing all his guitar magic and and doing his vocals and stuff and um, and then I was I was involved pretty much three quarters of the way in and then um, I sort of got a little bit pushed away from the whole project and it sort of got hijacked by somebody else and um, okay then it went to L.A. and he did Fox on the Run and and mixed it in L.A. and uh, and that was it okay. <laughs>
4: And did you have any involvement in picking the rhythm guitarist or going with Scott yeah. Coogan or anything, or was that all just yeah, Ace? Yeah, I was,
3: uh, I, you know, Ace sort of like, originally I wanted Todd to do it, but Todd was already scheduled. We had those dates in the beginning, the first show was uh, right around Halloween at the Hard Rock in Times Square, and we did a, uh, an unannounced show of Chance in Poughkeepsie, okay. and Todd had already committed to Glenn to go out with Danzig for a Halloween run that year.
4: Gotcha. So okay. Todd was
3: actually the one that I really wanted to do in the beginning, and then we had this other guy who I really wanted it to do as well. His name was Jason Hook, and uh, Jason was actually uh, had the spot, and then we went back and did the record, and he couldn't wait, because Ace was doing all the, all the recording, obviously, of the guitars. So he couldn't wait around for eight months so he went out with Alice Cooper and, and right. now he's been five finger death punch right right, right. but um, so when this opportunity came back, then Todd just walked right back in he was one of our initial two that we wanted and Scott was an old friend of mine because he was played on that amazing record that seems like nobody knows about with Oni and Rowan called Violet's Demise after Oni left Lynch Mob, they were right. in Atlantic and Dave Jordan did that record with them. And I was always like, he was one of those drummers that I always wanted to play with. So Ace was like, do you know any guys that you'd be interested in playing with? And I was like, well, this is the drummer that we gotta get down. And we didn't even audition anybody else. Scott came down <laughs> and it was done. And then um, when Todd and Jason couldn't do that run, um, we basically held an audition in New York and we had about 10 guys come down and um, I think I got nine out of the 10 of them down there <laughs> and Derek was one of them.
4: Okay. So the switch from Derek back to Todd wasn't that there was any animosity or anything. It was just that you guys wanted to go with the original plan with Todd.
3: Well, I mean, that, that that's an ace question. I mean, you know, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was time to make a switch. So we made it.
4: Okay. Okay, gotcha. And uh, going back to you mentioned Oni Logan. Um, going back to Lynch Mob, what is the difference between working with Ace as opposed to George Lynch? Because they're both, you know, well, guitar masters. Like,
3: in Ace's band, it's like it's not a band; it's a solo thing. Okay, so I'm I'm a hired musician. And Lynch Mob, I was a band member, equal cut, equal say. Okay, it was it was a different situation because I mean Ace's thing, you know. At the end of the day, it's still a solo thing, and it doesn't matter what I say or do. It matters what Ace has the final say on everything.
4: Gotcha. But okay. in Lynch
3: Mob, it was like, it was a band, you know? and okay. And uh, that, that was just the way the way it was. And um, and then, it, it, you know, it started, he started to make decisions that I didn't agree with, and that, that's when I decided to leave. Okay. Uh, like, in 94, 93, or whatever that was.
4: Mm-hmm. And you did that second run though, when the uh, revolution. Yeah, I did second record.
3: Oh no, I did. I, I toured on. I, I'm on Wicked. I did Wicked. Right. And then I did the next record that was the self-titled one. Right. And mm-hmm. I did that tour, and then I quit. Right. And then, then I ended up going back and did, doing this run in like '97. Mm-hmm. And and then that's when we were all ready to put a band together, and it was going to be George and me, and we were trying to get Oni and Mick back, but uh, it sort of fell apart. And um, then he mm, sort of did the Smoke This record without me knowing about it.
4: Oh, okay. I,
3: I called him one day and I'm like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, well, I'm recording a new Lifestyle record. I'm like, how you doing that when I'm in New York? He goes, oh, I got these young kids and I'm, I'm doing this rap record. And I was like,
1: oh huh. man.
3: And then I went back again. I was in A&M Studios walking the halls and saying hi to my buddy Joe He was, was doing a record in there. And I went and said hi to him, and George was across the hall doing a solo record mm-hmm. that he was basically redoing all old Docking and Lynch Mob songs like G-Tune could be or whatever. And um, I just walked in, and he goes, you know, I, I don't have a bass player to play on this. Do you want to play on it? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. And I thought it was a solo record, so I got paid a salary, and then when it came out, it came out as a Lynch Mob record. And I'm like, right. wait a second here. I thought it was a solo album, you know? And i like, no, well, no, you now that you're know you on it and Robert's on it, so we're just going to call it Lynch Mob. And I was like, well, oh. if it's Lynch Mob, I'm a band member. I'm not a salary guy. right? You know, but that's the way it is with George. You always, things always pop up out of left field. You end up getting screwed.
2: What do you think, Anthony, about George uh, going back to work with Dokken?
3: I could care less. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly could care less. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm I'm in Ace world right now. I'm playing, you know, with the, uh, a true guitar hero that I think is just an amazing, great guitar player, and I, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, I, would, that- I mean, we were talking about doing another Violet's Demise record with Oni, Rowan, Scott, mm-hmm. and me, which was. I mean, we seems like now we have some time off with Ace. So maybe I'll go west, and we'll work on that now with Oni and Rowan.
2: Cool. Now, Anthony, do you have any plans to set up another version of Schoolhouse Studios somewhere?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I have one in my guest house now. I'm trying to build ISO (laughs) booths as we speak. I uh, think that's a great idea. I I sold my Neve console. I had the Neve console from Electric Lady, and I sold it to the guy who owns Telefunken microphones. So I'm going to miss that that's a big part of the sound we used to get. But um, I mean, I still have the two inch tape machine and the Pro Tools rig and all the outboard gear. And and I'm in the middle of Pennsylvania on a horse ranch now. And we have, <laughs> I guess my wife and I have started a horse rescue and we have a guest house, So I I've kind of set up a studio in there and I'm looking, looking forward to getting back to that.
2: Very cool. Now, Anthony, back to the band. Um, I just want to tell you the feedback that I'm getting from everyone and everybody yeah. is saying that, they think that the, the band is not only tighter, but I think people can even tell how much the band is getting along with each other. And everybody's saying that they just think it's a perfect fit right now. And it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I will. I absolutely will. (laughs) And uh, I mean, literally everybody that I've spoken to has said the exact same thing. Like like the band looks great. The band looks like they get along. The band sounds great. And I'll tell you, each, you know, I I had a great time at the the first show. But by the third show, I felt that the band was really in sync. And and like I said, I wish that there were, you know, a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh and, you know, 20th show. It's
3: kind of a tease because the way we're touring right now is like, we did maybe 10 shows in the Midwest around November. And then we went, then we had like three weeks off and then we had like 10 shows right before Christmas in Europe. And then we had like a month off and then we did five shows in Australia. And then we had like a month and a half off. And then we did three shows on the East Coast. So it seems like it's such a tease because just when we're starting to get really good, it's kind of like, then we stop,
4: right.
3: <laughs> you know? And, and I mean, we're a rock band, we're an old school rock band. We don't run any samples or loops or there's no pro tools rigged under the stage. Like we, what you, what you see and what you hear is what you get and like we're all seeing for real. And, and it's kind of like we we, we get into a groove. And then once we just start hitting our, our, our stride, it seems like we stop again. <laughs> So it's what kind of thing where I think where we need to be out there and just keep playing and 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 showing people that Ace is on fire right now. He's playing like the best he's ever played, and and it, it's it's such a good vibe and it's such a good situation. And we're we're laughing and genuinely having fun. I mean, how did you not have fun playing like Shock Me with Ace Freely every night? I mean, right. it's like <laughs> it's like every kid's dream, you know.
4: Uh, absolutely and that's you know that that also has to be part of the allure of playing with ace just being able to kick back and play all these classic songs and say you know holy crap i got the man playing you know the solos and singing along to everything
3: my my first show i ever did ever as a kid was like a talent show in the fifth grade okay i played four songs two of them were kiss songs and two of them were ramones (laughs) tunes And then I got to play the Ramon songs. I was in this band called the Remains with Dee Dee Markey and C.J. And oh, okay. I got to play those those two Ramon songs with them. And now I'm playing the two Kiss tunes with Ace now every night. So it's kind of like awesome full circle, you
4: know? Right. Absolutely. That's you're completing the circle right there.
3: Yeah. It, it doesn't get any better than that.
4: So for you, you would hope that. Ace would have a big, long tour lined up and you guys could I just go, go out? out
3: for, I hope we go out for a year. I okay. really do. I, I think that we haven't done enough shows on Anomaly yet to promote that record. That record's so great. Right. We need to get some more of the, the, the Anomaly songs in, into the set list. And it was like, we we played like maybe five mm-hmm. songs off the record live already, but we've never played more than two or three in the set at a time. And I think that we need to bring, like we only did two on this last run of three shows right. in the set. I think we need to put a couple more in there. And, Cause it seems like what I've been reading online, people want to hear the new stuff live and, and, you know, but it's so hard because when, I mean, Ace's repertoire is so killer. So it's right. kind of like, you look at the set list and you're like, okay, we want to put Foxy and Frio Outer Space is back in, but, but what are we going to take out? Right, right, it's already right. already like an hour and 45 minutes long. so. You know,
4: Yeah, I'd actually seen you guys out in the Viper Room, and you guys did yeah. Sister, Space Bear, and Outer Space. Off yeah, of I don't like
3: to call it Space Bear. I, I, the original title of that song was Scales, and I think that that song is just a nasty, killer ace lick. And right. <clears throat> to call it Space Bear kind of is like, spoofing it up a little bit too much. I mean, originally the song title was Scales, and then they were going to try to put the Tom Snyder, States there, where uh, interview over the top of it, and supposedly it didn't work out. So they pulled the interview out, but they kept the name of it as Space Bear, but I always call it Scalves.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I see what you mean, Anthony, because, you know, it's such a killer tune, and then if you give it a sort of a novelty name, it, it yeah, almost like, diminishes like how calling, killer the tune is. It's
3: like calling Parasite, like, you know, Cupid's Arrow or something, right. something like that. You right, know the I tune mean? is like, awesome, yeah. such a nasty lick, and then calling it Space Bear is kind of like doing it no justice, you
4: know? Right. Well, the iTunes version actually does have the... Um, uh, the samples over top of it there's oh, a space it? bear yeah. yeah, and there's a space bear reprise which yeah, has yeah, the it. little sound clips of him you know uh, during the interview saying it's a space bear and all that so
3: we cut it we cut that live that was like huh. that was a one that was a one take in the studio it was uh, Ace Anton and me and we just went for it and that, that's what came out it's just it's just a nasty wick so cool Uh, And originally, I think that he was trying to get Slash to trade off solos at the end and due to scheduling, it didn't work out. But the, the the ending on that was supposed to be Slash and him trading solos.
2: Okay, cool. Maybe you guys can uh, make that happen live sometime. <laughs>
3: yeah, that would be awesome. He already came out with us, though. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But bring it back up again. And I like, <laughs> I still think Foxy and Free is one of the, the greatest just ace tunes of all time. So I
3: love it. I want to open with that. Yeah, believe
2: me. I swear to God, Anthony, I was thinking the same thing. I think that would be a I great opening track. To,
3: I mean, I said this from the beginning. And uh, like do that, and then go into Rocket Ride and Parasite, you know? Right. But like open, open with a new song. Everybody seems to open with a new song.
2: Well, I'll and that, I'll put that in Ace's ear, and I know you've already <laughs> done it. So between both of us, maybe know, we'll make I it happen. It a
3: bunch because it starts off with that ticket, ticket, ticket.
2: Yeah, it's amazing.
3: Accents, we could do lighting
4: cues
2: and all that. It would be killer. No doubt, Anthony.
4: Cool. Could or would you mind doing a quick ID for us? No, not at all. Okay. If you could just mention your name, uh, the name of the show, Mars Attacks, and anything else you want to throw in there, that would be cool.
3: Okay. ready? Yeah. Hi, this is Anthony Esposito from the infamous Ace Freely Band, and you are listening to Mars Attacks.
4: Okay.
2: Thanks, cool. Anthony. And can you do a talking metal one, too?
3: Sure. Hi, this is Anthony Esposito from the infamous Ace Freely Band, and you are listening to Talking Metal, your premier metal station.
2: Killer, Anthony. Thanks, man. And I had a great time hanging with you, and I'll see you soon.
3: Let's book some dates. Let's go back out.
2: No doubt. All
3: right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Anthony. Thanks a lot. E- e- email me when it, com- when it comes up. Okay, we will do. All right, man. Thanks again.
2: Take care. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Welcome back to Mars Attacks. Uh, successful show. Yeah. Two interviews. We uh, no we kind of tag teamed it here. We had uh, myself and Victor on uh, the Joey Z one and John and Victor on the... Anthony. Anthony Esposito, yep. yeah. And Joey Z is a really nice guy.
2: It was really cool meeting him. And Anthony, of course, is just a, a great friend. And Mark, we've we've known him for a long time now. And, and uh, Victor, I have to say, it's a great experience meeting you in person, finally. And uh, great job on Mars Attacks. And uh, I am always impressed when I'm reading Blabbermouth and I see some cool thing that says, you know, Bobby Blitz to appear on Mars Attacks or, or all the different people that you're booking. Good job for doing that, man.
4: Well, I I try Mark knows I'm in constant contact with him and, yep. you know, usually throw a lot of feedback around. I throw a lot of crazy ideas at Mark and
1: it's, it's very <laughs> yeah, good. Well, and I, I love some the fact of which were, were great ideas. We we still haven't made them happen like a Kiss special, maybe a Vinnie Vincent special. You by know. the way, there's some Vinny, some minor Vinny news. Okay, oh. well, Victor heard a rumor that there was going to be some news. Yes, what, what well, is that's, di- news? that's different news. Uh, yeah, Victor, you heard that
2: there's going to be some music coming out from Vinny, right?
4: No, I just heard from one of, um, like, a fan forum uh, when I interviewed Bobby Rock a few weeks ago. I contacted them and said, hey, you know, keep a, keep an eye out for this interview. And they said, well, by the way, keep an eye out in the next few weeks. We're going to have some... Some news, but they left it at that. Wow. Yeah.
2: Okay, so that's that's interesting. What I read on a website called kissfaq.com, and it said that according to some forums, some people had said that there might be some new Vinny music coming out. That's that's huh. the the news. But the news I was referring to originally was that uh, Vinny was brought up by Ace or by Eddie Trunk on Ace's interview with Eddie the other day, and... Out of Ace's mouth, he said last he heard,
1: Vinny was wearing a dress. Right. But is that something yeah. he heard? I don't—that's I, the same info. You yeah, probably everybody heard that heard on, right. uh, on, uh, on TalkingMetalLive.com yeah, yeah. or
2: something. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, and what's funny, though, is that Eddie Trunk seemed to be kind of, like, freaked out. No, I mean, no no offense, Eddie. Like, I, you know, Eddie's a good friend for us. Eddie seemed to be thinking, oh, my God, geez, like, you know, I, I just want to know if that's true or not. But Ace was like, look, hey— if he wants to wear a dress, fine. Let him wear a dress. And Ace
1: seemed to think that you know that was just you know no no big deal. Right. Well, there was a couple of Kiss fans. These these were hardcore Kiss fans. I forget their names, and I don't think they wanted their names mentioned regarding this but these guys were hardcore they organized conventions and had people from the actual band you know show up at the conventions these were these weren't just like numbskull kids uh these were on the internet yeah these these were true (laughs) kiss fans you know probably you know in their in their mid-30s late early 40s for that matter um, re- real respectable guys in the K- KISS circle. These guys were so in with KISS that even when um, KISS played the garden in the 90s, um, Paul personally had a limo pick them up and take them to the show. And, and you know, they know enough they're in tight enough with the band where Paul Stanley knows who they are and stuff hmm. like that. Uh you you may or may not know who I'm referring to. No, I know to. exactly who you're referring yeah. to. Yeah, I saw them recently too. But anyways, um they told me that back in the I believe it was the 90s, they were there was a convention that probably I think took place in Atlanta and uh Vinnie Vincent was was hired by them to come do whatever he does at the convention, speak. And he did that. He came down to the conventions and, you know, the convention and, and did his thing. And afterwards, they all went out to, to to dinner with Vinny. And there was maybe six of the convention uh, organizers there with Vinny, and they were all eating. And it was casual. And, you know, and one of them said to Vinny, so what's up next for you? And he's like, well, my wife and I are getting a sexual reassignment. And and no one laughed. I said to I said, well, he was obviously kidding, right? And he was like, no, I don't think so. I think he was dead serious. I said, were <laughs> people laughing? And he said, no, no. And I said, and you swear he said that? He said he said it to my face, and he said he said it with a straight face. But knowing Vinny, because I've actually spoken with Vinny on the phone. Yeah, that's amazing yeah. that you have. And knowing Vinny, he is a a a, a, a jokester, a prankster. I. Happened to think it was just somebody. And I think he likes the shock value of things. Right. 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 I think. This is a, a, one theory. I think that he said that to those people who were, you know, even though they were rockers, these people, they were kind of like conservative, straight laced, you right. know, <laughs> not not really into like the alternative lifestyle or, right. or anything like that. <laughs> I think he said that. To, to freak them out, right? right, right, right. Because here he is—he's a guy. He, he definitely enjoys wearing pink lingerie and and some makeup, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I, I think I think that alone tells you that this is a guy who likes to get a rise out of people, you know. Right. Who likes who likes to have people go, "Oh my God, look!" at You know, and 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 freak people out like a lot of rockers do, you know. But instead of like you know, like Gene Simmons spitting out blood and you know, and and he, he's 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 acting a little transvestite or even gay, if you will. You know, he, he right. and, and that freaks people out and it does. And I think Vinny likes to freak people out. Now My theory is that that's probably where this rumor started because all right. six of these people were very connected and- with Kiss, all went and started t- telling people that and, and it probably ran from there. Now, now after that Vinny's wife ended up, I think getting murdered uh, up in Connecticut Right, um, and it turned out she was uh, a, a prostitute, a prostitute or call girl of some sort. Um, so who knows what happened now? Yeah. The now the one thing that gives slight credibility to the rumor is that he did show up at that one convention. Night, what was at Australia, and he looked very feminine, and he had like almost ladies' pants. And shirts yeah, on. well,
2: there was there was a photo. You know what that was? It was actually not something where he appeared in front of people if if it's what I'm thinking you're referring to it was that there was a store in Australia called Kiss World and it was like a basically a store where you can go buy Kiss products it's not there anymore and the people who organized that store traveled to the US with these lithographs and they had vinny come and sign him so there is a picture one picture that exists and it says like copyright vinny vincent where he, he, you can he's holding a giant lithograph but right. covering his entire body so all you see is his head and then you see his like legs and feet and he ha- and it appears that he has like Ladies' pants and ladies' shoes on. But right. once again and you know, and then conveniently he's he's covering his chest area but Where he could have had implants. Yeah, he could have had that. But on the other hand, maybe he's just trying to, you know, Keep the rumor going by doing it in
1: his in his mid fifties at this point. Yeah, Yeah. so I I mean, I think he, I think, I think he dolls it up. I think, I think he. I I don't know what his sexuality is. It's a little odd that his wife was a prostitute. You know, he just may be like some kind of. Crazy sexual, Maniac weird dude. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but it is a little odd that that he would show up and get all dialed up like that. Right, you know, looking. But but that's that's how a lot of the people remember him. You know, right. he may be, have been trying to embrace. The Vinnie Vincent invasion image, you right. know, and and all that stuff. <laughs> so I don't know. He's definitely a a weird weird dude. He's definitely still out there somewhere. Right. He's still suing Kiss. He's like <laughs> he's like I, I just finished Ozzy's book. Well, Vinnie is like the Bob Dais is is like Bob what Daisley, Bob right. Daisley is to Ozzy. Vinnie is to Kiss. He really right. is. He's just the guy who keeps popping up with ridiculous lawsuits and right.
2: And I know, like Bob Daisley. I feel bad that. Uh, that's all you happening. know, but,
1: you know, I do too, but I, I definitely have a whole different opinion on things, especially after reading Ozzy. Well, that's book. good.
4: I'd love to. I've got to read that book, but I yeah. just bought it. I'm. I yeah. plan on reading it once I get back
1: home. Yeah, well, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> I mean, Ozzy. says in the book he was against re-recording those parts. Those kinda, huh, no kidding. He, he kind of pawns it off on his wife, you know. But he says he understands it did have to be done, and he and he, you know, he really in in the book basically puts uh you know anyways he puts his his side of the story forth and I I buy his side of the story I mean right you know I mean it all comes down to one line he says in the book he says Bob Daisley thought that you know it was a band and he said it was never a band it was the Ozzy Osbourne album it wasn't the Ozzy, Blizzard Ozzy of Oz band. is yeah, right. a band yeah, right, right. yeah and he says, he says if Bob Daisley is so great as he claims that he is in these lawsuits where are all his hit records before Blizzard and Diary and where are all his hit records after, after right. and he's right he's yeah. right I mean you know it, it, there's a you know and Bob Daisley's like well I wrote a lot of the lyrics and Ozzy uh, I think Daisley claims he wrote all the lyrics Ozzy claims he wrote some of them you know and Ozzy admits that Geezer wrote you know, 80% of the Sabbath lyrics. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, Ozzy didn't write the songs. No, wrong. Ozzy wrote all the melodies, according to Ozzy, to all his songs in Sa- Sabbath and on right. uh, the solo I, I records. totally believe Or most that. of the melodies. And I mean, the bottom line is, Ozzy's voice sold those Sabbath records. Right, right. Along with Tony's riffs. Ozzy's, Ozzy's voice sold his own records, along with Randy Rhodes and, right. and Jakey e. Lee's riffs. And, and and you know, songwriting aside, I mean, let let's let's look at the Beatles, who are known as the first songwriters in rock music. On their first few records, they only wrote a couple of the songs. You know, uh, Frank Sinatra didn't write any of his songs. You know, right. um, Elvis. I was going to mention didn't Elvis. Write right. many of his songs, but it, it's it's the way they took those songs. And and their voice sold the songs, you know. If Joe Schmo would have done those Elvis songs, they wouldn't have sold, you know. And if if Joe Schmo would have done those Black Sabbath songs, as great as Tony's riffs were, they wouldn't. And as and as and as as much as he, uh, you know, invented the heavy metal riffs, Ozzy's voice really sold those records. And 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 you know, it's funny when they got back together for the nineteen eighty five Live Aid. you know, Ozzy was the, the superstar, you know, and, 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 you know, that was real evident by, by that performance, you know, that, that, uh, the Live Aid, you know, producers wanted Ozzy to rejoin Black Sabbath and all all this stuff. And, 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 you know, I love the a little, Buzzed, by the
2: way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you sound very good, Mark. You sound like you're you're
1: really on top of things. You yeah, you really do. Yeah, you sound good. For, you're really on top of this uh, Jack and Coke <laughs> right here. Um uh yeah, but this is uh,
2: good conversation. This is good conversation. Uh, Ozzy
1: as as much as I love the Black Sabbath stuff without Ozzy, the Dio stuff is amazing. The Gillan album yeah, was great. Yeah, I love that uh, Gillan that is. And uh the, you know, I even enjoy the, the Forbidden, the Tony Martin album is a great album, but Ozzy will probably win this lawsuit yeah. because he is so famous. Right. You know, and that's that's what it comes down to, you know. And,
4: and it's a shame you mentioned this um, in the forum, actually, right. with Ali, where, you know, the scariest part of all of this is that he would make them relabel all those albums to not be Black Sabbath albums.
1: Yeah. You know, and well, I could see him doing that just because he did re record the Daisley and, and, and Lee like uh parts. I could see him suddenly going, you know what, the stuff okay, I could see him accepting the Dio, Dio stuff, stuff, maybe right? because he, he talks about those, even in the book, mentions Born Again, which I was shocked. He well, mentions mentioned in the book, right? yeah. Um, he said that Don Arden said, uh, you see that devil on on that baby devil on the um, <laughs> cover of Born Again, and uh, and he was talking to one of his friends. Don Arden is Sharon Sharon's Arden's. dad. Yeah. He goes, he goes, that's my grandkid. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm referring I'm to Ozzy and Sharon's son. Son. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. But um, I could so see weird. them pulling something like, no, we no longer want those releases to be called Black Sabbath because ozzy is the true black sabbath which maybe he is you know right. uh, you know well,
2: th- those re- releases were almost more like tony solo records weren't they They
1: were but 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 still you you can't change history I right, mean, right i mean they right. were uh, they were released you know cozy Powell and tony martin and, and all these great you know even geezer i uh, which one was geezer on forbidden i think you know he, i don't even he know. was
4: no he was on uh cross purposes cross purposes okay yeah um Forbidden was the um tire and headless cross lineup with Cozy Powell and Neil Murray on Neil the Neil Murray,
1: okay, from Whitesnake, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it would be weird to go back and
2: rename
1: those albums in that, my and opinion. you know, no yeah. one has ever mentioned that in the press. It's just right. it's just this thing I have in my head. And might, the only it, reason it, I think that is because he did erase Bob Daisley's parts, right. you know. But
4: wouldn't it um those albums, a lot of them were named black Sabbath due to Warner brothers.
1: Right. And also uh, according to, according to certain sources, Don Arden wanted to, you know, when, when Dio and Tony first got together to work on heaven and hell, which geezer didn't come into the picture until later. And Bill Ward for that matter. Um, they weren't going to call it Black Sabbath, and, right. and management- Made them. Yeah, and the label wanted it to, to continue to be Black Sabbath. Right. You know.
4: Cross-purpose is the same deal. It was supposed to be called uh, Butler, Iomi, Rondinelli, and Martin. Right. And at the last second, Warner Brothers or IRS, whoever they were on, said, no, 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 we're only
1: putting this out as- If it's Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, Sabbath What yeah. about
2: Glenn Hughes? What was, what was he on?
1: He was on- uh, Seventh Star. Seventh Star, which- coincidentally, was called Tony Iommi's yeah. Black Sabbath. The only record that oh, was okay. actually... okay, so they actually did call it Tony Iommi's yeah. Black yep. Sabbath. Yeah. Long. That was like, what, five... God, Eric Zinger was on that, right? Yeah. Wow. yeah uh, uh, five guys in the lineup, I think.
4: Yeah, they had... Um, Dan Spitz's brother was a oh, bass Dave player. Dave the B Spitz. Dave the B Spitz. Oh. They had a, an official keyboard player. Well, um... Greg Downs is his name. He was always there, keyboard player. Right, and then now he's
2: an official player. So, why, why do keyboard players always, you know, they're always like in the band, but they're not considered a real member?
1: That's, That's just heavy metal. Yeah, I yeah, heavy metal doesn't like keyboards, yeah. I guess. You remember <laughs> Iron Maiden behind the Iron Curtain uh, right. when they went to Poland? Yeah. The guy was like, uh, <laughs> I, I play the heavy metal. And Bruce Dickinson was like, what What instrument do you play? Yeah. He's like, I play keyboard. <laughs> he's like, you don't play heavy metal on <laughs> yeah. the keyboard? Yeah. You know, and he's like, no, I do. He's like, no, no. no.
2: On, on March 4th, 1980. Poor keyboard players. Yeah, yeah. poor keyboard <laughs> play. My Here's my Rain Man uh status here on March 4th 1984 I saw a kiss at the Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and I brought a keyboard player friend of mine and Paul Stanley like one of the first things he said is Tonight you're not going to hear any synthesizers, and and right. I was like, oh, my friends probably like really sad right now. Right.
4: So, so what about Derek? Uh, what's his name? Sheridan? Or yeah, Sher-
2: Derek Sheridan. He played with Kiss, but right. off stage. And then before Derek, a uh, guy named Gary Corbett, who, who was a, who I've met. Yeah, you met yeah. Gary Corbett. Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. We met through him, you actually. Yeah, in Mark Rhode and Island, I. Yeah, yeah met. Paul and Eric Carr and and everybody up in Rhode Island. And Gary Corbett uh, also played underneath the stage and uh, was a big part of the sound of uh, the Crazy Nights tour. And he played up until uh, he played the Revenge Club tour. And then after that, that's when I think they got Derek Shrini. But a little known Rain Man fact, uh, Gary Corbett co-wrote the song She-Bop.
1: Cindy Cindy Lauper, yeah.
2: So that's Gary Corbett, but a great keyboard player. And
1: anyway feel so sorry for all the keyboard the players. No, we should get no. him on.
2: We should definitely get him we, on. We
1: asked somebody about him. We played some of his music, I think. Yeah. We should definitely uh, look Eng him up. Angve was on his record, I believe. And, and wow. even Zach, I think, played on his, his hmm. album. Yeah. S- solo album.
4: Interestingly enough, getting back real quick to the Vinnie Vincent, at least Vinnie sued for albums, for all the albums he was on. Right. Whereas with Bob Daisley, the odd thing is he sued for the first two. He also played on um, Bark at the Moon, and he played on No Rest for the Wicked. Why has he never sued for those two albums? Mm,
1: That I don't know. know.
4: So, I mean, that would—I mean, you would think that if they're withholding wages from the first two albums, they'd do the same for all three. Right,
2: yeah, who knows. Did you know that uh, that Vinnie Vincent lawsuit with Kiss wound up on Saturday Night Live in the— you know, Weekend Update.
1: No, I did not know. Yeah, that, yeah.
2: when when the most recent Supreme Court, uh, you know, convened reconvened, that was one of the things that they considered on the first day, and I think they basically threw it out. And uh, and you know, uh, what's the girl uh, that does Sarah Palin? Uh, she T- uh, Tina. Tina, Tina Fey. Yeah, yeah she, I think she was the one that announced it. But anyway, it was so funny that the Vinnie Vincent lawsuit made it to a Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> There was one where Vinny, he, he, I think it was a previous one. He sued Kiss, he lost, and then was ordered to pay Kiss's legal fees. Right. right. So that's right. that's pretty crazy.
4: Yeah, that was uh, that was the previous lawsuit to right. this one. This one's what regarding Kissery? I guess I don't even
2: know this. I think this is regarding maybe Kissology. Or kissology. Yeah, Kissology, which is you guys know the VH1 uh, three DVDs, DVD yeah. box, and then also his. Uh, reference on Gene Simmons' Family Jewels, the AE show. They reference him? There was something that he claims that, I, if I, I may be incorrect on this, but I. Thought that he might have said that they said something negative about him on that show, so that was part so, of it. What is that defamation of character? Yeah, or something? yeah, who knows? That
1: that is a guy that is so obsessed, right. you know, that he's watching every single move. thing that Kiss is doing. Right. Jeez, if Talking Metal wanted to start suing the people who talk bad about them, <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd be, we'd be uh, you know, we'd have a lot of lawsuits. Yeah, we'd going have on. a lot of lawsuits. Yeah.
4: <laughs> why do you guys think he disappeared? I mean. Is it because he owed money? Because there were so many rumors that he owed all this money.
1: Now, the same guy who told me the story about the meeting and him saying he was having sexual reassignment um, (laughs) told me that that at some of these other ones, maybe it was the Australia thing where he showed up, he didn't want to leave the airport. Like he yeah, showed up, there right, and he right. wanted to sign the merchandise that they'd given him eleven thousand dollars or something to come there to sign right, some right. stuff, and he showed up, and and he was so paranoid that somebody was going to try to kill him right. that he did not want to leave the airport. Um, huh. But they, I some, I guess, got him too because it was in the agreement that he right. would. It's weird, uh, and I mean, just just really really strange behavior. And, I don't and like I said I spoke with the guy once on the phone yeah, when he was a, doing cool. an interview on um you know RPM radio in Chicago when I was a kid and uh he was all doped up or something. Wow. Then. So I don't know if he's got like <laughs> cocaine paranoia or bipolarism or he, what his deal apparently is.
2: Apparently but... he, he put out some pre-orders for some kind of Vinnie Vincent box set that was right. $100. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and, and he never he, delivered it. Right. And, but I don't think that's enough to be worried that like, you know, people are going to be killing you. I mean, that's, well,
4: I saw him at the uh, T-Neck Kiss Convention when he was doing that run. T-Neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it was Fairly Dickinson T-Neck. Yeah, right? I've been, uh, I know Fairly. I saw and him at the Jersey
2: City Kiss Expo. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Jersey City's <laughs> yeah, at least bigger, bigger than T-Neck. Yeah, yeah know.
2: well,
4: he walked out and he had six guys around him. Wow. And I remember at the time they said that. His what year was that? Uh, it was whenever he put out that last EP. So it was like 95, 96, right, right. something like that. Wow. And at the time, the rumor was that he his hero is John Lennon and he's scared of succumbing to the same thing. Yeah, that but John nobody's Lennon.
2: out there looking. <laughs> I mean, like like about three people know who Vinnie Vincent is. Right. right? right. Like yeah, John yeah. Lennon was. I mean, I love Vinnie Vincent, but, you know. Right. Unless you're some kind of kiss nut, like you're not going to know who Vinnie Vincent is.
4: Right, right. right. No, I'm. Uh, Obviously. And you know, it was another thing that I brought up with Mark, with all those invasion years, supposedly he was he was bald underneath. He was wearing all these ridiculous wigs after lick it up. So we probably see him. I don't think he
2: was like like a guy who was totally bald. I just think that his I mean, my thought was always just that his hair was kind of like you know, he wanted this thin he had thin hair and he wanted this giant glammy looking hair. That's what I thought. (laughs)
4: Could be.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, who knows, uh, Vinny Vincent person. I'd love to have him on the podcast. Yeah, uh, Vinny Vincent. I'd love if you're to listening, Jakey e Lee. Yes, yeah, Jake would be another yeah. great one. Yeah. Two guys just just vanished. Yeah. Literally, I mean, Jake released something a few years ago. Yeah, a cover, cover of something or yeah,
4: it was all cover tunes. It was yeah. him with um, the bass player from Cactus, I think. Uh, oh, wow. And the drummer was uh Ansley Dunbar, I think.
1: Right, guy, oh, that's another yeah. No guy from Whitesnake, those old uh, days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I don't a recall who night.
4: the singer was, but it was all blues material. <laughs> and yeah. he he did release um an instrumental album previous to that Fine Pink Mist. Right. Which is actually pretty good as far as I mean, I'm not big on instrumental albums, but his album I actually appreciate. Yeah. Um unfortunately, you know, he never backed or never came back with anything as good as Badlands afterwards, you know. Was... Yeah, that first
1: Badlands Badlands record was great, and I have I actually now have the second one, which I used to have on cassette, but then it lost. But I somebody got me a download of it, uh, and that's not bad. Uh, it wasn't quite as. good I have good the as it third
4: was. one as well.
1: well um, okay, I don't even know the third
4: one. Yeah, but... the third one was the demos that they were working on, and some of the material uh, Ray Gillan actually used on a solo album. He he put a solo album together, uh, or it wasn't even a solo album. It was a project called. Sunred Sun which was I remember that. Yeah, it was uh Bob Rondinelli who we mentioned before from Sabbath. Right. And the bass player was the uh original Alice in Chains bass player. Mike Starr. Mike Starr, Star. wow. Star,
2: yeah. He's now on a VH1 show.
4: Yeah. And uh, the guitarist I don't remember who it was, but some of the songs ended up on that and then the yeah, rest are all a demo format on that um uh Badlands album. I don't remember the title right now though.
2: Right. Hey guys, Dusk. I do Dusk is the title. I'm sorry okay. I know we gotta wrap it up, but I wanna throw yeah, out three bands since we're having like this round table metal conversation <laughs> and see if you guys you don't have anything to say about these bands
1: helix Oh, helix I, you know I don't have much to say heavy heavy what was their song heavy Deep metal cuts love? the
2: knife uh that that rock you. Rock you? Did they Gimmy have a song heavy
1: metal Love, though?
2: Uh, yeah, it sounds very familiar. Heavy metal love.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I German band, right? I thought they were from Canada. Yeah, yeah, they're Canada. Canadian. Uh, yeah. see, that's how much I know about them. Okay, right. Helix. What do you what do you think about him? Yeah, he Deep
4: Cuts. The knife is the only song that I remember okay. by them, and that was.
2: You remember that one? Gimme an R R O O C K. What you got, Rock? What you gonna do? Yeah, rock I U. do remember it, that. That yeah. was a pretty good tune. Brian volmer I think he was. Uh, singer or the guitarist. Okay, how about this band, Kick
1: Axe? Again, we had one of those guys. Do we have a guy from Kickaxe on the podcast? You
2: know, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Kick Axe, I, I thought they were a good band. I cannot name any of their songs. How about Lee Aaron? Lee, Lee? Aaron,
1: metal, mm, uh, metal... Metal Mistress Queen or, or something? Metal, metal Queen, Queen, yeah, yeah, yeah Metal, metal Queen, Queen. I have yeah. that record. On, oh, cool. I, I bought it on CD recently. Martin Popoff calls Lee Aaron the... The worst Canadian metal act of all time. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, gave most of her records zero stars. Wow. She looked great up on yeah. stage. She uh, she really rocked the, the the spandex, if you will, and yep. um, she. <laughs> Basically, just disappeared. I heard she had a comeback a number of years ago, know. though. But yeah, I do have I do have some of her stuff right. on on the she, iPod.
4: Yeah, she's either a jazz or opera singer now. Something and like she that. She doesn't yeah. want to wow, yeah. refer to anything of her metal years or wow, anything right. like that. She's yeah.
1: not into it anymore. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 metal queen record, which again I do have, uh, recently listened to, not that great. Not that great. <laughs> no. no, No, but um, you know, uh, bitch was a good. Yeah, yeah, that, right. I remember them. Betsy time. Bitch. I, yeah, I actually yeah. do like them. Uh, that that held the test of time. And I always liked the Wendy O. Williams stuff, too. Yeah, still, right. it was great. Still holds the test of time, definitely. No doubt.
2: I liked Kerrang! magazine. The reason I'm naming all these bands is mo-
1: many of them I've seen in old Kerrang! magazines. Right. Let's talk about Kerrang! Kerrang! I used to have to go to... Uh, a special store yeah, to too. buy, and it right. would be enclosed in in cellophane, yep. you know, yep. and uh, you couldn't buy it in in regular newsstands. Right. It was imported, and it used to have the, you know, three pounds yeah, on it right, or something, right. you know, and then they have the the uh, like American price yeah, just on the just different stuck sticker. On, yeah, right. so Kr- Krang was a was a, a great great magazine. magazine. Yeah. The first time I ever bought it, it came with a free. Floppy flexi uh, disc, right? Flexi yeah. disc of uh, of Quiet Riot. They had wow. just released the record. Huh. I didn't get that one, uh, Metal Health, and um, who my cousin Joel had turned me on to Quiet Riot, and uh, they uh, they had the record. I still have it somewhere, That's and, cool. and you know. One of those funky monkey podcasts or whatever that was. Uh, remember that podcast like five years ago? He played the record. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was. It's like it's like, or maybe we, play, we, play maybe it? we played. No, did we? Maybe we played it. We no, could have. No, I, I don't think remember. we played it five years ago. It's a yeah, but day. anyways, uh, it was like, hey, this is Kevin Dubrow, Quiet Riot, and here's oh. my <laughs> new song. And it was like slick black clad in wow. Cadillac, and they do a sound up, and then it would come back, and he's like. I'm so happy to be here giving you uh, this sneak preview on Krang of, you you know, and it it was uh, the first, it was, I had heard Metal Health and uh, Come On, Feel The Noise on the radio, but uh, it was the first time I heard Slick Black Cadillac, yeah.
4: Well, that that song, um, I believe, dates back to the Randy Rhodes years. It does, yes,
1: yes, yeah, definitely. So,
4: and Kerrang, I mean... Kerrang! I had known from going overseas to Spain every year, and it was readily available in all the newsstands yeah. over there. It was Kerrang! and um, Metal Hammer, Metal Hammer right. were yeah. the two big ones, and it was always a thing where you know they either had albums or stickers or posters or something extra to get you to buy their that flexi disc thing was cool
1: back in the day. It was like a yeah they used to do that plastic in gu- record exactly, and Guitar Player too. Oh wow, you used to be able to get. Uh, a flexi disc of like I like I remember the first time I heard uh, what was that Joe Satriani song? Um, sleeping with the aliens, no, no, it was uh, it was surfing, like the... surfing with the aliens, sleeping. <laughs> was like...
2: See, I'm thinking of that. I want to sleep with... with female aliens, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sleeping with the alien.
1: no, it was the it was um, uh, it, 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 there was a, a Joe Satriani song that was on the guitar player, uh, flexi disc. It was a headless and...
4: horseman or something nah, like that, it even was, before no, it was the EP it
1: was a live EP and it had one. Okay. One, uh,
4: it was like uh, something Ice uh,
1: Nine or Crushing Day? Cr- cr- I think it was Crushing Day. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it was probably that. Not sure. I'm not sure. But um, that was on there. Dweezil Zappa and Frank Zappa together doing Charlena, which was the Zappa song. Wow. And Dweezil soloed on it. He was 16 at the time. Jeez. First time huh. I ever heard him, and just shredded. I mean, amazing. Uh, but yeah, that was a uh, Eric Johnson. Uh, I love the stuff released in there. And the, the guitar player used to do that thing back in the, the days of. Now well, they just put actual games. CDs and DVDs in yeah. magazines. Well, right. CDs are yeah. so easy. Yeah. yeah cheap and, and easy. Worthless right, know, at right. this point. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I am trying to get do either of you guys have the Iron Maiden tribute CD that Krang released? No. Has, I have uh, it. Yeah. Wow. You got to get me that. Okay. Yeah. I. You got to get me a, a copy. I have There's that. Dream I have... Theater does uh, To Tame a Land, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Do you know that they're touring with Iron Maiden now? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking yeah.
1: forward to that. I want to see that.
2: And yeah. the rumor
4: is Coheden C- Cambria is opening up oh, for them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well,
1: they're a Jersey City or somehow related yeah, to Jersey City. Yeah. One of the City, guys yeah. is from Jersey City. I think the rest of them are from up uh, in Kingston, New York. Oh, yeah, okay. But, okay. Yeah. Local band for sure. Definitely. Yeah.
2: Definitely. So, yeah. Return to Earth. Cueball's band has yeah. been signed to Metal Blade. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Uh, they
1: sold, like, ten copies. Yeah, and Ronin... Yeah.
2: Mark's band Ronin actually sold more copies than Return to Earth was signed, which makes me believe that Ronin or anything that we're working on could possibly be well, signed to Metal Blade. Yeah, Ronin won't be, because I think
1: we're it's pretty much done, broken up. yeah. Um,
2: but maybe we'll do a talking metal album.
1: Yeah, man, I, I mean... I would be into it, especially if I thought there was any chance we could recoup the money that would have to go into it. Right, right. Um, If we can just break even and maybe make a little money, it'd be cool. But at this point,
2: we have so many friends who are musicians that are well-known musicians who kind of dig what we're doing, and I think that we could easily get them to jam with us, right? Yeah,
1: I think it's a possibility, definitely. Yeah, no doubt. Do some uh, recording with us, definitely. Right. We'd like, like the to talking uh, metal jams. Yeah, but. we'd like to bring that back. John and I actually were talking about yes. that recently. Yeah, so so guys, be sure to tune in every Thursday night for Mars Attacks. What are we looking at next week, Victor?
4: Next week we're gonna have a um, all music show. Okay, gonna be centered around metal from the '90s. I think uh, the '90s got a bad rap as far as metal is concerned, and right. there's a lot of great stuff that came out that you know uh, maybe took the place of. Uh, what people were listening to at the late eight, during the late 80s or people that had switched over to grunge and maybe didn't, you know, check out Testaments Low or things like that that came out during that uh, decade. So you'll have two hours of nothing but 90s metal. Cool. Now, what about groups
2: like Slaughter? I was a fan of those, but I know that kind of gets lumped into sort of a glammy thing. What would you think of those bands?
4: Well, here's the thing. The, the one band that I always sort of go to bat for is Tesla. Okay. Yeah. In the sense that a lot of people say, ah, oh, you know, they're an '80s band, and you know, they're a hair band, and they were never really, you know, an image orientated band. Uh, they came out towards the end of the '80s, you know, sort of like GNR. You know, right. would you lump GNR in with the hair bands? You know, after all these years? Right. I don't no. Think, right. Yeah. I don't. They, think they wouldn't be would.
2: lumped in the same category as Poison or right. You know, Cinderella or any of those guys.
4: Right. So, and what I try to do is give a broad spectrum of what took place. You know, I did a nineties or I'm sorry, an eighties special for last week. And I did have, you know, Y and T, but I did have Metallica. I did have Testament, you know, I sort of try to give you a little of everything. I even had poison in there. So
2: very good. So, well, know. I'm sure it's going to be a great show, guys, and make sure you listen to Mars Attacks on com and on iTunes. Definitely.
1: Guys, thanks for joining us. Hopefully, I'd love to repackage this whole thing in either a Mars Attacks podcast or possibly Talking Metal or right. both, maybe, if yeah, you guys are into it. that. Yeah, let's do it. Do it up. Uh, thanks to Jody and uh, Jake from BioNet for Bionic. hanging out. Yeah, Definitely, yeah. Thanks and to the guests, Anthony yeah. Esposito and Joey Z. Yep. Cool. And... Um, yeah. And thank
4: you, Victor, for having
2: me on your show. Oh, and man. And Mark, too. Th-
4: thank you guys for uh, stopping by and adding some much needed I hope banter. we didn't hijack
2: <laughs> the Mars Attack show from you.
4: No, no, no. It was fine. I think cool. everything worked out great. And like I said off mic, you know, there were certain things where, you know, it was definitely, uh, uh, you know, it was good that you guys chimed in, you know,
1: absolutely added to everything. So thank you. Cool. Great. Guys, have a good night. We're going to. Sign off right now. Talking metal out, Mars Attacks out. Take care, guys. Good night.
2: Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader.